Great cash, homie. Would you please break a damn storm? He took it out. Oh, boy, you. Wednesday, PFTOT, Chris Sims back in the house. We got some things to get to that we didn't get to during PFT Live. Uh, no more moose calls during this segment, Bullwinkle. Well, so you don't hang, know that. You're stop. not sure. Well, we're not talking about the Vikings, so there's no reason for you to blow the Gallerhorn. Let's uh, let's start with the Players of the Week, and they always come out on Wednesdays at about 8.30 a.m. Eastern during the show. And Players of the Week, look, we, we post – for every one of them every week, we just do it because it's it's interesting who gets acknowledged by the league for having a big week, offensively, defensively, special teams. But the one thing that really caught both of our attention today, Chris, the Bosa brothers, they, they have locked down the Defensive Players of the Week award, Joey in the AFC, Nick in the NFC. You raised the question, has that ever happened before where a pair of brothers have been players of the week i doubt that it's ever happened right. i'd be stunned if it did i mean Eli and it's impressive and, and it would be the only ones that i would think it even like could be in the running there right i mean that's it that and we'll check that that would be the only way that it's really going to happen a couple of high level brothers in different conferences or in the same conference one plays offense one plays defense right. but uh, it, there's just there's nothing that would stand out other than the Mannings, and here are the Bosa's, and they're both great pass rushers. They're both very different in their games. Which guy do you think is better between the two? Oh, it's a really good question. Um, I, I guess, you know, I think Nick Bosa has greater potential to be the superstar pass rusher. They're both superstar pass rushers, so I don't want to say that neither one's not. But I think Nick Bosa, I would give him the edge to be the better pure pass rusher. He's a little more compact uh, than his brother. He's a little more explosive. You know, he looks a little more rocked up that way, right, with his muscles popping out everywhere because he's not as – quite as big or, you know, for lack of a better phrase, goonish as Joey is. And I mean that with all due respect. I mean, you're supposed to be that way as a defense to end the NFL. Uh, but I think Nick, the pass rusher, Joey may be a little better at defending the run, but uh, I, I, I like what I see from Nick. I think he might have a little more potential than Joey, and that's saying a lot because Joey is really awesome. You know, it's funny when you call a guy a freak, you are very careful to say you mean it in a respectful way. And I always give you a hard time. It's like, you, people understand. When you go goonish, it probably does make sense to explain that you mean it as a compliment. Very, as a compliment. very rarely do you hear someone call someone a goon and mean it in a good well, way. Well, in the um, NFL, a good thing, like, if you're a big goon or, like, part caveman, that usually means, like, you're a good player because, you you know, it's just you're built to play football. you got a big, strong forehead and you're all neck and shoulders and, you know, legs and butt are always part of my conversation with good football players. And uh, both of these guys have all those aspects. And Nick Bosa just seems to, you know, he's got uh, that build that suggests to me he can be more problematic. Bosa, yeah. but, uh, Joey is is more like Jason Taylor-ish. Not that Jason Taylor's a Hall yeah. of Famer. So, but longer, you know, yeah. Uh, but, but longer, right? right. And, and Nick is more compact. But, my God, the interception he made the other day, and he talked about how the gloves – how how he doesn't understand how anybody drops a pass with those gloves. And it got me thinking, you know, at some point, maybe they're going to get creative and flip them over and let him play a little tight end. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, not be, now, wouldn't be crazy not, with Kyle Shanahan. You're right. You're he's yeah, like a fullback but, but, uh, or something. Something. I mean, the guy's athletic. Now, yeah. I think they want to keep him healthy, and you don't want to put him at unnecessary risk of injury. 
but uh, a guy who is getting plenty of defensive player of the year buzz, if they would find a way to use him on offense, look at what it did for J.J. Watt a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. He was an MVP candidate because he was picking up some statistics, catching passes. So something to think about. And you want creativity. That would be ultimate creativity for the San Francisco 49ers. But both Bosa brothers are great. Man, Joey is eligible for his second contract after this year, I believe. Yeah. And uh, he's going to – look – Nobody knows the business like the Bosa brothers either. And Joey's going to want his contract, and I won't be surprised if he holds out next year. And, uh, you know, Nick's going to be in that same mindset in a couple of years. And it's kind of neat to see how one brother's a few years ahead of the other, kind of blazes the trail uh, for Joey and then for Nick. And they're both going to be great. And it would be great to see him on the same team at some point. Oh, it's it's probably unlikely, but, but, but who knows uh, what may happen as the NFL unfolds. All right, in New England, a lot of reasons to be excited about where the team is, offensively, defensively. But special teams, Steven Goskowski on injured reserve. They brought in Mike Nugent to replace him on Tuesday. Mike Nugent out, and Nick Folk is in. And it's funny, a lot of people, when they saw Patriots sign Nick Folk, people thought that the Jaguars had traded Nick Foles to the Patriots, and it was kind of like a half second of what the hell. Yeah. But they've moved to Nick Folk as their kicker. And, you know, Chris, not that they've been in a lot of close games. Yeah. But eventually they will be. Eventually, you're going to need somebody to make a kick, and you better have somebody that you can trot out there that's going to be able to get it done. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If there's a, a negative about the football team right now, it's, you know, that and maybe, you know, the fact that the offensive line certainly is having some issues too in run game and pass game. But, see, to me, this is, again, next-level New England Patriots stuff and next-level psychology by Bill Belichick. Oh, let's not st- – oh, oh, I got confidence in you, kicker. You'll get it right. Hey, it's one thing like that when it's Adam Vinatieri or Robbie Gold who have proved like they're all-time kickers. But with the rest of these kickers in football, okay, when they start to get in a cold streak, it, it, they're streaky people. They get they start to feel the pressure. Oh, my gosh, the New England fans are expecting me to mess up. Oh, Belichick's on my case every day in practice. And I, I think more teams need to kind of follow this mold. You know, when things – the kicker's starting to falter, move on. Go to the next guy. He, the, the, the kicker needs to – he can't handle the pressure. He needs a new place, a new look, a new location to get his mind right. And I think it's a brilliant move by the New England Patriots. Let's not, like, wait for Mike Nugent to get his confidence back. Let's just move on to the next guy, see if we can get him. He can come in confident, knock a few, knock a few in in a row, and get on a roll, and then he's not dealing with the questioning in his own head. And that's where I think Belichick, again, is amazing. Yeah, and look, it's, it's the ultimate replaceable – position in the NFL yeah. and you have to have that conviction to make a change when a change needs to be made but ultimately you better have somebody you trust when the game's on the line they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl they wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl without Adam Vinatieri right. 20 years ago against the uh then uh Oakland Raiders they'll be the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm getting my geographic these 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 California How dare you change me your up. Cities, I was calling damn the Chargers San Diego I'm calling the Raiders I'm thinking are they LA the Raiders are they Oakland they're moving somewhere have they moved yet when are they gonna move now next year we gotta start calling them the freaking Las Vegas Raiders come on man. pick a city and just stay there for crying out loud yeah. all right uh We'll see if the Patriots pick a kicker and stay there for crying out loud. But again, they're going to need somebody to make the kicks for them when the games count, assuming they have a close game at some point. The Broncos have had some close games this year that resulted in losses. They're two and six. They're falling apart. We thought they would be sellers at the trade deadline. Other than Emmanuel Sanders, 
They did not move anyone. And it was a mild surprise that Chris Harris Jr. wasn't traded. He's in the last year of his contract. He said after he wasn't traded, he's definitely happy to stay. He's going to focus on finishing the year strong, trying to get some victories. And, you know, the bottom line is this, Chris. As you're trying to have a great contract year, it probably is better to not have a change of scenery. You're trying to create good film in a defense where you're comfortable. You got to change on the fly. You got to move. Yeah. You got to get to know new teammates, new coaches, new system. You don't have a whole lot of time to do it. And you may not finish the year with the kind of a- a- accomplishment that would cause someone to offer you the kind of money that maybe you can get if you do finish the year strong and be a bright spot for a Broncos team that currently doesn't have many bright spots. Uh, spot on. I mean, that, that's exactly it. I, I think, you know, Chris Harris Jr., from that aspect, that's probably where he's got to be happy. Okay, I'm in my comfort zone. I understand this defense. You know, they know who I am as a person. I, I know who they are. All those things lead to good play and then, yes, lead to big money when you're a free agent and all of that as well. Now, I will say, like, what did people expect him to say? Like, damn, I wanted to be traded. I hate it here. I wanted out he, of this hey. damn place. But he's been pretty honest. He wouldn't hesitate. No, I know. He he's would not hesitate to say, I'm disappointed they didn't trade me. Yep. He would not hesitate. Yep, no. And, and I think, you know, there's loyalty with both sides there. I mean, I think the Broncos are loyal to what Chris Harris Jr. has done, and they didn't want to just sell him away because I think there's probably still hope that they go, we can find a way to re-sign him in the offseason. I think he's still a really damn good nickel cover corner. I mean, he's had a few games this year where I turn on the film and I'm just like, man. This guy is still like glue. He's all over these wide receivers. So I, I, I am, I'm not shocked that they didn't trade him. I do wonder who called and who tried to make an offer or what those offers uh, might have entailed. Uh, but, but either way, um, Chris Harris Jr. is still in the conversation for one of the best nickelbacks in football. And you're right. I think to get the most out of his free agency, this is the best thing for him. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, won a Super Bowl, obviously, with the team in 2015. He was a first-team All-Pro in 2016, a two-time second-team All-Pro. And for all of the grief that John Elway gets when it comes to his track record at finding quarterbacks or failing to find quarterbacks, the first year Elway had the job, Chris Harris Jr. was a guy that they got undrafted, yes. and they've developed him into the, one of the best corners in the game. And also, remember this, when a guy's in his contract year, and even if you're not going to bring him back, you can't just give him away because if he walks away, his departure factors into the compensatory draft right. pick pool. So if you think you're going to get more in 2021 in a compensatory draft pick setting than you would get if you trade him now, if somebody's offering you peanuts, then you just don't do it. You hang on to him. And, and from Elway's perspective, he's got to win as many games as he can. Even though they're 2-6 and six, and even though they should have been sellers at the trade deadline – Elway doesn't have the security necessarily to say, let's get rid of all of our good players and go ahead and be horrible. There's a chance that he's going to be ultimately held accountable in a way that he hasn't been during his time with the team. All right. uh, The LA Rams had a great performance on Sunday from receiver Cooper cup, and they may need more of those because, you know, Brandon cooks has had four concussions since super bowl 52. He's had two in less than a month. And Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams told reporters, on Tuesday that Cooks is going to Pittsburgh to see a specialist. And some of the things that McVeigh said, when you read between the lines, it's a little ominous that it's not your standard run of the mill guy has a concussion. He's working his way through the protocol and we hope he'll be back for the next game. That's usually what you hear. You're starting to see McVeigh express concern for Brandon Cooks and they're concerned about him as a person. And they want to figure out where he is and they want to get this right. And you know, that, there's a point, I think, where you have to be concerned about the cumulative effect of concussions. And yep. also, 
doctors will become more sensitive about clearing you to play if they think you're susceptible to getting concussions, if they think that the symptoms are exiting more slowly. Uh, Javid Best, first-round pick, 2010-2011 of the Detroit right. Lions. They traded up to get him. I think it was 2010. He ends up out of the sport. He fell down, hit his head, 2011. He had concussion issues coming in. He had that concussion in 2011. He was having a promising career early. Yep. And uh, he could never get cleared again. So this is something that the Rams need to be concerned about. It's something Cooks need to be concerned about. It's a human issue. It's a health issue. But that's a lot of concussions. And uh, it's generally accepted. The more you have, the harder it is to recover from them. And at some point, it could be that doctors decide we can't allow Brandon Cooks to continue to play football. Yeah, no, I, I, it's scary. It is. And, you know, you and I, we were watching it live when it happened on Sunday. And, you know, we, we both had the same reaction right away where we're like, oh, man. Brandon Cooks, man, he's got a concussion issue, and we both kind of boarded it out right away. And we knew – I think – I felt like I knew, like, ooh, this one could be trouble. When you have this many in a short period of time, and then, like you said, two in the last month, that's when you go, oh, man, that's not what you want to see as a football player. And I give the Rams credit because this is where, I mean, I think Sean McVay is great is he has the the personal aspect to him. He does not treat these guys like machines or just like inventory on the shelves at the supermarket. Uh, There is a true human aspect to McVay, how he communicates with his players. And I truly believe they want the player and the person to be right first. So, uh Good for them. I hope they do kind of get the answers they want, get this figured out, take it slow. But, like, the other thing is on the field, it's a big blow to them. You know, you know the Rams offense, it's not the running offense we've seen the last few years. So that's a little scary. You know, they have to rely on Jared Goff in the passing game. And, you know, you've heard me say it's not like – they reinvent the wheel all the time with plays where I go, oh, my gosh, I've never seen this play ever before. This is unbelievable. They kind of have a formula, and they stick with it, and McVay's sequencing of play calls, and then the talent around is what puts the pressure on the defense. And we saw last year that they lost a huge aspect of their team when they lost Cooper Cup. Uh, he was very important. And this could be a big blow to their football team again because when you have a healthy Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Brandon Cooks, you really put a team in a bind right away to go, all right, what do you want to do with these three guys? We got enough plays here to kind of get them all the balls, all the balls they want. They're all talented to beat man-to-man coverage and dangerous, and it's part of what has made the Rams great. And uh, from that aspect, you know, it hurts their football team. But, of course, life is more important, and I hope Brandon Cooks and the Rams take their time before they uh, throw him back out there again. Yeah, like I said, this is starting to get that feel that it's more serious than the usual because we've kind of gotten desensitized now. It's been 10 years since the NFL had its concussion epiphany and installed the protocol for return to play, return to practice. And at some point in the last 10 years, it stopped being a big deal. And it's just, okay, guy's got a concussion. He's going to be back at practice. He's going to be back on the field. Lather, rinse, repeat. Well, at a certain point, it repeats so many times that it does become a bigger concern than that. A big concern for the NCAA that has been percolating for months now, the issue of athletes getting compensated for their name, image, and likeness, and forced by California and other states to take the issue seriously. The NCAA has stopped huffing and puffing and threatening to blow down the houses of the states where these laws have been put in place. The NCAA has decided instead to take steps, presumably, to allow players to earn money from their name, image, and likeness. And consider this quote from the NCAA on Tuesday, Chris. 
In the association's continuing effort to support college athletes, the NCAA's top governing board voted unanimously to permit students participating in athletics the opportunity to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. I have no idea what that means. I don't either. And and if it's consistent with the collegiate model, what it means is we'll make all the money off of your name, image, and likeness, and you get a pack of cheese crackers. That's what's consistent with the collegiate model. Yeah, well, I, I know. What does that mean? I mean, it, it's consistent with the NCAA model to, yeah, like you're saying, monetize. So, I mean, so when, when you know, Tua wants to go sign autographs somewhere in Alabama and it's his jersey and an Alabama, you know, whatever sports store wants to pay him $5,000 to come there and sign autographs for an hour or two. I mean, is that is that what they're talking about? I, I don't I don't really know there. I, I don't get it. Or I mean, does it mean like if Oregon and like college football sales on Xbox go through the roof, then they think it's related to Justin Herbert? I mean, is it does he get more money? I don't really understand what it means either. At least it's like a good sign that maybe things are going in the right directions to help compensate these players a little bit more. Uh, I, I do think that's a, a fair thing, and I do think these players need to be compensated a little more. I'm not saying they need to make great deals of money and, and walk away with $100,000 a year or anything like that, but there's just too many stories around you know, college football. I experienced it. I know there's still other players experiencing it where you know I saw guys yeah, having to scrounge together money just to kind of – enjoy life just in a normal capacity at times, but yet they're the best player on the college football team and it's hard for them to get a third meal of the day or, you know, whatever else. Take their uncle out to lunch, you know, on a on a Sunday afternoon after they just, you know, filled the stadium up and ran for 300 yards and won a game by themselves. So uh, I think it's at least a move in the right direction. Yeah, but it's it's something that is being done – Reluctantly, it's got that kicking and screaming element to it, where the NCA is going to be forced. Do you think by California external... forced them? Like, do you think the California? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, right. it's California, and Chris, I I was tracking it and I was writing about it PFT, but it got to the point where there are too many states: Florida and New York, and this state and that state. They're all starting to move in the direction of having that same kind of a law, and yeah. I think it's kind of like it's kind of like the person who. Uh, has their parachute on and they're at the 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 door to the airplane and they don't want to jump uh but the person behind them is going to push them out so they figure screw it i better just jump i better just do it on my own terms because right, right, right. i'm going anyway yeah, that's yeah. kind of what they're doing yeah, and yeah. and i think that I'd like they're going to push gonna you try out the door find... like that <laughs> thank thank you <laughs> I, they're going to try to find a way uh, and it'll be buried in the details. They're going to try to find a way to screw the players because they've been screwing the players for years. Yeah. See, they have managed to avoid the reckoning, and they have delayed the reckoning for 10 years now since people have started to wake up to the idea of how these athletes are exploited and how unfair it is that they generate billions and they get peanuts in comparison. The NCAA has just been trying to run out the clock and take as long as possible because every year that they manage to avoid the reckoning, that's just more billions that flow into the pockets of the people who do get paid for college football, not the players. And same thing with name, image, and likeness because to a certain extent, you know, it, it will limit not dramatically the money that the, the schools make because now all those jerseys that they sell, you can't just sell them with the guy's number and no name on the back. You put his name on the back, he's going to get a cut of that. So there's going to be less money available to the, to the schools, but they're still going to be keeping the TV money. They're going to be keeping the box office receipts. They're still going to have 
a huge amount of cash that's going to flow to everyone but the players. So let the players, let them make some. It's just, it is so wrong. My attitude has been for the last 10 years or so, if you're going to get paid under the table by somebody, if somebody's going to you know, give you the $10,000 handshake, whatever, just do it. Get whatever you can get because everybody else connected to the sport is getting what you should be getting, Chris. Yeah, I, I agreed. I mean, I really uh, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and I'm glad that these states have put the pressure on the NCAA to kind of start, you know, flirting with this idea and, and making it better for these kids, the college football and everything. You know, I'm just – I'll say this. I get – you know, I know – hey, listen, I know scholarships and people always go, oh, well, they're getting a free education, and I get that. But, you know – not everybody gets to capitalize on their talents in life. And a lot of these guys, their greatest talent in life is playing football. Okay. And I know everyone goes, Oh, well, they're getting a scholarship. Okay. Well, some scholarships aren't worth what they're being compensated for. Okay. Like an in-state Texas player going to the university of Texas. I mean, I don't know what it's at right now, but it's probably around like 12,000, $14,000 a year for in-state college kids or high school kids to go to college at the university of Texas. So, you know, when I go back and think about a guy like, you know, RIP Cedric Benson or Vince young, they certainly exceeded $12,000 a year with their worth to the university of Texas and things like that. Ricky Williams, so on. Well, Ricky Williams is not from Texas, but either way, uh, that that's my point, and uh, I'm just. Here, here's the other point, direction. Chris. Yeah. Here's the other thing too. Yeah. Nobody pays retail for college, right? It's like jewelry. Nobody pays retail for jewelry, and nobody pays retail for college. Yeah. You just walk through the door, and they give you a scholarship. It's the walking through the door scholarship. Hey, you were able to walk through the door. You get a scholarship for that, and they carve it down and carve it down and carve it down. And how much does it really cost at the end of the day? to let one more kid not go to class, right? Right. What does it really cost the school? Right. So, uh, th and, and, and what they get, what they gain from this machine that is college football and college basketball, it, it's, it's clearly disparate, and it clearly is out of whack, and these kids are clearly being exploited. So the sooner they fix this, the better. It's a shame. It's wrong. And uh, I think voices out there who are – in the broadcasting world, like Jay Billis. I think it's it's very important to stand up and say that it's wrong. And you know what? Let me tell you this. One last point before we go. Some of the people who's going to get their ox gored by this, because that's always the concern when there's change. I, hey, I'm going to lose money. Some of the people who are going to lose money are the college football broadcasters because those are the people who are getting the commercials and the endorsement deals because the players can't, right? right. Turn on ESPN on any given Saturday. Yeah, you're right. And it's – it's announcer Kirk Herbstreit, it's Lee Corso, yeah. it's all the people who right. work the sport right. because they can't do commercials with the guys who play the sport. So they're going to lose out on this too. Good. It yes. should go to the guys who are out there taking the physical risks. Right. And they're the reason why we're all watching in the first place. That's right. So, anyway. Well said. Well said, sir. You done? All right. Uh, that's it for Good. this edition of PFTOT. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. The Mega Picks joint podcast getting you ready for week nine and i don't know about you chris but i kicked ass in week eight i'm looking forward to well you only beat me by a game of... i kicked some ass too okay so well, then I... you kick some ass too but yeah. i kicked your ass <laughs> you should have taken the eagles well, over the bills we'll uh, do it tomorrow. tomorrow i'm gonna kick your ass okay uh you're the grass right. and i'm the lawnmower all right that's coming tomorrow you're the wanker yeah, see you tomorrow see ya uh -huh.